Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Denise Okuda from Star Trek. This is Michael Okuda, graphic designer from Star Trek. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This episode brought to you by Michael Crate and James Husband. Special love goes out to Lee Kemp, who manages our Facebook page. If you like what you're hearing here on the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I think we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, we're going, we don't need Rose. Yes, who's coming to dinner? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. I'm Dave Sellers. Uh, I can hear a cat. Is that your cat, Chrissy? Yeah, they're being jerks. They're being jerks. That's all right. We're all jerks here on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Speak for yourself. Oh, oh, (laughs) wow. Not even two minutes in and the salt is flying. Well, welcome to the podcast tonight. Tonight, we have a fantastic show. We are going to be talking Farpoint. We just got back from Farpoint, well, actually a couple weeks ago, but we're going to talk just a little bit about our experience because we're going to share a live show that we did there, uh, some fantastic interviews that we're going to be bringing you down the pike. But the, tonight, we are going to be talking one of Miles' favorite Star Trek movies, and that is Star Trek Nemesis. I warn you, I think it's slightly better than Star Trek V. Uh, so high, high up, high up on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Miles. Yeah, exactly. I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm up for a good debate. If I'm wrong, I change my mind. So, well, okay. So here's the beauty of, of, the, of this world that we live in called nerddom, is that there is no wrong, except for when you're talking about the first three Star Wars movies. Of course. Um, it's, that's the beauty of episode four, are. five, and six, right? <laughs> Right. Um, it's the beauty of who we are is that we can have these open debates and we can still be pals. And like, that's the whole point. It's supposed to make you question and, and have those converse, have conversations about story and storyline and, and creativity. So I would never hate you. I, we might disagree, but I still think it, it, it's what brings nerds together. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. I think a good, hot, contentious debate to bring us nerds together. Yeah, well, you know, yes, yes certainly. Well, <laughs> so before we get into this hotly contested movie that we're going to be talking about tonight, let's find out a little bit about what the Farpoint experience was like for you guys. Does anyone want to go first? I will if there's no volunteers. Okay, yeah, well, go ahead, Miles, and then uh, we can hear from the rest of the crew here. So... A few weeks ago, we had uh, the opportunity to uh, visit uh, Farpoint. Um, they had uh, uh, Wally Shawn from um, uh, The Princess Bride, and he was also Grand Nagus for Star Trek D Space Nine, and he's done lots of other stuff too. But uh, uh, we actually got a chance to sit down and talk with him, and that, which, was, which was fantastic. Uh, fans of Picky the Brain would have uh, been jealous because um, – um, 
the voices of Pinky and the Brain were there. Rob Paulson and uh, Maurice uh, LaRouche. I think I'm saying his name. LaMarche. Right. LaMarche. Thank you. Uh, you got it. Um, I didn't get to interact with him much, although I did get to uh, just say hi to uh, Maurice and just thank him and sh- shake his hand. He was very gracious, very friendly. Um, but uh, great seeing people that I only get to see maybe once or twice a year. I had a lot of fun at the uh, some of the panels, just us getting together, talking about um, something. Um, I w- we had a, a, the Women of Star Trek panel, and I thought, um, well, I'll try this, uh, see see what you know how, how people react. I said, some of you are going to shoot me now, but I'm a big uh, Doctor Pulaski fan. And then a lot of people said, yeah, so am I. So am I. So that, that was, you know, because um, she's sometimes a, a contentious character in Star Trek Next Generation. But now, not in this group. There's a lot of people that just, uh, you know, thought that they loved her too. Um, but probably what the most fun I had there was just coming to some of these fan-run panels and just talking what, what we like and enjoy. And uh, um, I got a good one. There was a C, CW panel uh, uh, Rob Greenberger, another gentleman, we're leading, but uh, R- Rob Greenberger has wrote a lot for for DC. So, get, hearing his perspective and on what what's going on with some of the CW shows was uh, was good. I could talk more about Farpoint, but uh, um, I'll leave it at that. You leave it at that. Very good. And uh, uh, M, you were you were down. What was you? What was your experience like? I mean, these are two. Uh, you're huge into the voice acting world, and so it had to be very cool to. You know, see Paulson and um, who was the other guy again? Uh, LaRoche. LaRoche. Yeah, yeah, LaRoche. Yeah. Uh, um, to yeah. say that I lost my sh- shiz okay. is an understatement. Um, so I wore my um, Donatello Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Doc Martens. Of course. To, specifically um, to chat with, to went to meet um, to meet Rob Paulson. And then, like, it was, I got up, I, I told them, like, because of them and their influence in, in me and this, the stuff I do that, you know, I've got my, I've got a gig that is, you know, I probably won't hear for two or three years, but I don't care because it's just something, it's like, it's a fun little dream come true. Um, but I got a little moment cause I, I, I had my little gushy moment of like, you're the best and I learned so much from you. And then I said, and I'm supposed to show you my shoes. And I got, I went up on stage, and Rob Paulson goes, oh, "Your shirt, those, that's me." And I said, "Yeah, they are." <laughs> and then I went and got a picture with them, and we had a nice little chit chat, and it was, it was just lovely. They're amazing, and Wallace Shawn, like you couldn't meet a more delicious man in the world. Um, he just was the sweetest dude. I think, and we were super lucky too because we were cleaning up, and he came in with his handler, and we. I think I might have yelled, unpack, unpack. <laughs> uh, and he sat and gave us, he gave us like 20 min- minutes, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he, it was, it was yeah. maybe a little over 20 minutes, yeah. He yeah. was just a delight and so lovely. And I, I love, he, te- he takes his time to tell a story. He's very deliberate in his choice of words. And you'll hear it whenever we, when we play it. I think my favorite thing about it is that when you ask him, how did you get this gig? And he'd say, well, I got a phone call and I answered it (laughs) and they offered me the part. And I said, yes. Well, (laughs) 
And we're, I know the three of us were like, and, but it's just, he's, and he's so sweet because he's like, people just know me. And it's very true. Like I, I posted the picture. I shared the picture at work and some, I said, do you know who the grand Nagus is? And they said, no. And they looked the picture. Oh my God. It's the teacher from clueless. Yes. That's him. <laughs> that is awesome. It, it's amazing where he's, he's been everywhere. He's just a delight. Yeah. He's a national treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and uh, you, you slept at the con, sort of. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. Do, do we, do we want to go there or not? So. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I did not get a lot of sleep and not for, you know, gross ways involving myself. I just was super tired and I went to bed. And the people, I'm trying to find the right phrasing for it, the people who, um, who were in the room next to me were agreeing with each other and praying a lot. Um, <laughs> and then it got to the point where I, I think the furniture was involved and maybe like some sort of like, some, maybe some larger farm equipment. Cause it just got loud <laughs> and it's three thirty in the morning. I knocked on the door and I screamed something crass like just finish already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I heard like it was very quiet. And then this man came to the door, like clearly like trying to cover himself and whatever. And I thought, you know, I know so much about, you now. you like, if you were nude in front of me, it wouldn't make a difference. because <laughs> I know way too much about where you like to put things and oh. how she likes them. Oh. But it was just horrible. And I think I referred to them on Instagram. I just found it. Um, I posted a picture of this is the face of someone who got up at 3 a.m. to knock on the door of the room next to mine to tell Johnny and Janie Von Shag too loud to zip it. <laughs> um, the young lady was not amused. She's like, what is it your problem? I said, my problem is I need to sleep and I'm twice your age and I need that sleep. And if you're going to continue, this is going to get ugly. Or you could just finish each other off and go to bed. And... <laughs> It was it, like I've never been or felt so angry or so like you, you, and it's it's not like it's a paper thin wall and right. it's in well I mean the place is made of brick. There's clearly a lot of cinder block. It's not just drywall on two by fours. And the fact like when my headboard moved, <laughs> I like to sleep like snuggled up against the headboard. When my headboard moved, and I thought, are you? kidding me with this I, I mean i applaud their stamina i would like to be like <laughs> i would like to go to the gym and go for a couple hours like clearly whatever they were doing steroids they, will do that to you they agree and, and they agreed with each other a lot and i don't know if jesus wants i don't think that's how he meant for us to pray <laughs> But hopefully he was busy and that, that wasn't in your Catholic upbringing. I mean, I'm just no. no, no. <laughs> and I'm not being like I'm not a prude. Like, right, everyone right. should get their shag on. Good for them. But for the love of all that's holy, not at three a.m. in the morning. No. Right, like I'm, when when your neighbor can hear. Like if your neighbor can't hear, then go for it. Blessings upon you. Like you know, but I don't want to hear it or see it. Like if the door opens, like, is that a swing set? That's awesome. Where'd you get the chimpanzee? Just fine. 
whatever. <laughs> but old girl needs her beauty sleep. And I went, I crawled, I went into my room around nine and was working. And I thought, okay. And they were going at it at nine. And I thought, well, all right, this is, let them have their fun. I put my headphones on. And then I went to bed and I thought they, they'll finish eventually. And I put my headphones on and then I guess my headphones slipped off of my head. And I woke up, I was like, are you effing kidding me? No, he's effing no, no. her. They're, they're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we need a in this show? Maybe. Going all night. They had five hour energy. Like, what? What can maybe I say? That's what it they really took. works. Yeah, but that would only last them to two o'clock if they started at nine. Just saying. Well, they they did a shot of it at like twelve. They oh, were yeah. getting a little tired. Second win. It's all. Yeah. It's very impressive, and I feel like we we've given it too much credence. But it is a dang funny story. <laughs> and um, you tell it well. Yes, you do. <laughs> and then I got in the car and I hustled to go to my voice lessons. And I told, well, first I walked in and I put, I showed my my um, my instructor. I said, he goes, "What'd you do this weekend?" And I showed him a picture of me of Lamarish Paulson and myself. And he said, "Why are you still here? Why why aren't you back there hanging out with them? Because it costs twenty dollars a picture, ding dong." Yeah. That's why. <laughs> they nice. were lovely. That's it was. Awesome. It's really fun. I hadn't been in a long time. I think the last few times I've always had like a really bad cold, um, and I haven't been since they were in that new in the Hunt Valley Hotel. Right. Which I, I mean, always, I, I always feel like Farpoint gets a little bit lost in the Hunt Valley for me. I I do too. It felt very. It felt lean. Like yeah. it was just too spread out. Well, it, that's a, that was the beauty of the other place that they had, where you were kind of. Like you had these this atrium area where you had the dealer's show, and then it was on either side. You had like two hallways, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you had your main, but but everyone was kind of in central area. Now it's just kind of spread out. I'm not sure the cons any bigger because of it. I mean, just right. more spread out. But but yeah. Well, Dave, uh, Chrissy, you guys were also at the con. Uh, who wants to go first? Chrissy, let's go with you. This was your first con in a while. Ever? Well, I don't think it was my first science fiction con because I'm trying to think. I'm like, what was the last like convention I was at? And I'm pretty sure it was like a gaming convention here in Lancaster at like the Lancaster Convention Center. Okay. Like when I was maybe like not not even ten. Okay. So like it's it's been a while. Okay. Um. So as a first one, it was nice because Farpoint isn't overwhelming. No. So mm-hmm. it's not like. So it was easy for me to make, you know, some definitive choices of what I wanted to do. And I ended up being of two people in a room with um, an author from World of Warcraft, and their names are eluding me, and someone who is a professor up at Penn State who um, does DMing. And then I was nerding out because I was also talking with someone who writes for Elder Scrolls Online. Nice. Which... I know. So I was like in my, in a happy place for that. <laughs> um, and then I attended the Conlang thing, got to talking with um, someone who's actually a listener of the show of this one. And um, also like lives in the local area. And so now I've actually been continuing to talk with him on my discord server. So that has been fun because we got to talking about languages and, now we're practicing our German together, so I got a German buddy out of that, which is awesome. Ooh, oh, that's das awesome. Good. Yeah, is that good? And so now <laughs> it's him, me, and um, some Germans on the Discord server all like they're helping us get our German back. So that was 
that was all all sudden good and i found a good book for my brother if you're interested in zombies and pittsburgh it's respect the dead so i was like really happy to find him a gift so some of the some of the book authors are actually very interesting to talk to so it was it was a very good first experience like it wasn't good. overwhelming but it also wasn't like underwhelming either nice awesome yeah oh yeah i got to hang out with jay smith a lot our pal jay smith oh yeah um and he's starting some stuff up again and i of course begged him for voice work like i'll do anything yeah. and um He's got a couple of projects coming up, so we need to have him on the show. Did someone? Did we record an interview yes. with him Sunday morning? Uh, I, I did an interview with him. Chris, he was with me, so we we, we got a nice uh, interview with him. But we certainly have him on again next time. Absolutely, he has, uh, something new going on. Yeah, yeah. He he was talking a lot about virtual worlds and his experience in them, and I would love to talk with him about because M, you've played like I know you play Guild Wars two. I played Guild Wars two. Like we're we're heavy into the virtual world so i think it would be really fun to talk with him about that oh yeah 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 well dave how about you i was great as always um you got to meet the grand nagus got to meet the nagus hero great time um great interview with him met a few uh few new friends with the uh, the group called the pennsylvania brown coats oh yeah it's a firefly uh Firefly Batch and got to meet those Tequila Matt and Bootlegger Steve were their na- names. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the guy Steve he uh, he brews his own his own home brew stuff. And for the brown coat ball this year out in Las Vegas, he's making a whole batch of Mudder's milk. So I forget what type of beer it is, but it's fifteen percent alcohol. And oh my god, it's like an imperial really, really stout. <laughs> Yeah, it's apparently yeah. really good. <laughs> I, they they were trying they were trying to convince me to to go there and get married. I, I told them that not ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. If I wasn't it wasn't in Vegas, I'd love to go. But uh, <laughs> no, I started following them and joined their group on Facebook, and they posted a lot of uh, a lot of neat stuff so far. And I'm seeing all kinds of activities that are popping up. They uh, they were at or Matt was at the one thing in Bethlehem two weekends ago it was for a steampunk group it looked like it was through their site but it was like a tabletop gaming convention mm. oh i remember you talking to me about it oh, yeah wow. it's like yeah, if my brother wasn't having a kid that weekend i was gonna drag him and go up priorities, we actually thought man. about it for a Prior- bit. priorities man i, I, I know priorities <laughs> yeah. having a baby <laughs> gaming convention clearly someone has their priorities wrong right right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So I have to keep an eye on for that one next year, but uh, no, it was a it was a good time. Like it, and, you know, like Em said, it was a little lean uh, compared to what I remembered it last year, but still, it was nice enough. I wasn't bored at all. Saturday, I get to walk around and meet some new people and spend a few bucks and had a good time. Awesome, very good. Well, it sounds like Farpoint was great. And it's uh, and we have a uh, shore leaves coming up next for us, and uh, ZenkaiCon I'll probably mm-hmm. be at. So we know at least four of the guests are going to be at shore leave this year. Oh, we do. Yeah. Do you have them in front of you? I do. Um, Ethan Peck, he plays he's Spock on Star Trek Discovery. We haven't seen Spock yet, so we get to meet the new Spock. Uh, Erica Durant, uh, she was uh, Lois Lane in Smallville, but she's playing Supergirl's mother in the Supergirl show. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, David uh, Palfi, 
Uh, he was Anubis in Stargate SG-1, and, some, and, and he had other sci-fi roles in Andromeda and X-Files. Uh, Alex Malari, uh, he was in Dark Matter. Um, he's been in some other shows also. So that's, that's who we know so far for the guest list. Yeah, and they typically bring in about at least eight, yeah. six to eight guests. So we have some more that are going to be announced before oh, right. before it's all set to, set to go. So, mm-hmm. so uh, shore leave is going to be July the 12th through the 14th. This all year. right. Sounds good. That mark, reminds me I should go online right now and get my hotel. Yeah. Mark, mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. Yeah, just make sure it's a room not next to. I'd like the unshag swing yeah. wing, please. Yeah. Is there? Can I have a, a wing full of nuns? The shag-free wing. A shag-free wing, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, oh, uh, why, don't we, <laughs> why don't we why don't we move into our uh, main show tonight, which is really to talk about Star Trek Nemesis, right? Uh, that's what kind of brings us together tonight is to talk about we've been uh, for those of you just joining us, we have been reviewing the uh, Star Trek movies uh, from one all the way up to now number 10. And we'll continue up through the uh, Kelvin timeline, I believe. And then um, and then we'll be moving on to some other uh, things that we're reviewing uh, that we've had some discussions about. <coughs> but tonight we are talking Star Trek Nemesis. And. uh so why don't you uh, give us just a brief synopsis of the movie, Miles, and okay. then we'll get into maybe a little bit about our when we remember first encountering this movie, what it was like rewatching it, mm-hmm. and um, we'll go from there. So after a joyous wedding between William Riker and Deanna Troy, Captain Picard and the Enterprise crew stumble upon a po- positronic signature, which results in a prototype version of the android data. Then the Enterprise is invited to Romulus to negotiate a peace treaty with the Romulans by their new leader, Praetor Shinzon. However, Shinzon is revealed to be a clone of Picard, who was raised on Remus, a slave planet to the Romulans. Later on, Picard discovers that this peace treaty was nothing more than a setup on account of the fact that Shinzon needs Picard in order to survive. But little does the Enterprise crew know that Shinzon also plans to do away with the Federation by unleashing a weapon that could destroy a whole planet. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so that is the brief synopsis of this. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Miles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dave, put you on the spot here first. Uh, did you watch this movie when it came out? Yes. Did you watch it? You watched it in theaters? Yes. And what did you think when you first watched? Because I was still somewhat, oh, no, what is this, 2002 this yep. came out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was 19, so I enjoyed it, but I remembered not as much as previous movies. And I don't think I really could tell why until the more I watched it. But I, I did enjoy it. It was a good PPU sci-fi space movie um, left a little bit lacking in, in the in the Trek realm. I thought. Okay. Hmm. All right, Chrissy. How about you? Well, this would have been actually the very first movie that Star Trek movie that I saw in theaters. Um, I actually went with a whole group of friends and this was back when i was in the middle of doing star trek text simulations online so um like it was pretty exciting for me to go and do it but it also i don't know it seemed like i remember being a little disappointed that it didn't seem like it lived up to promise that it 
like that it made that it couldn't quite keep like, if that makes any sense mm. like and even watching it as an adult like i really really like the question that it poses of nature versus nurture and i think that they could have done a little bit more with introduction to personal choice in that um so like that is a very interesting topic to me just as a psychological point of view but from a sheer story point it there it fell a little flat for me then and it fell a little flat for me now hmm. very good um how about you not my favorite um not the worst uh you see a young lean tom hardy as he's you know, starting to venture out into 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 non-period type films, so that was that was nice. Um, it had its moments. I have always loved the Romulans. I've loved to hate the Romulans because they're just such they're such jerks. And there's another word I want to say that starts with a D. They they just are inherently like they're like the Cardassians. They're just you hate them, but you love them. Um, I liked the concept of what went what went down that they went to the extent of to go so far as to clone another human being to infiltrate. I mean, it's a it at the time it was it was a new kind of trope, but now it's you know with um, there's a couple of TV shows that have done that. Um, it was different. It was a I, I I enjoyed it. It's a good film, and on like like this weekend when I was doing a lot of paperwork and I wanted some sound that I would sort of pay attention to. I played that movie and I found myself paying more attention to the movie than I thought I would. Well, so that's a good sign from that end. And it, and I, I did see it in the theaters and I remember thinking this is the most amazing thing because it was 2002 and it was the most amazing thing, but it was, it, it didn't feel, I agree. um, It, it didn't feel like Trek. It just, it felt different. And in hindsight, you know, I, I, I liken it to a, a, like a light version, a very light version of discovery, just a little raw, a little exacting. And I could have done without the wedding, but you know, everybody wanted to see those two married. So. Right. Right. People were shipping them for years. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So miles for you, uh, I, you went and saw it in theaters, I'm assuming. Yes, I did see it in theaters, and I just remember before the movie came out, um, Patrick Stewart said online, just to the fans, says if you know, if you want to help us, try try to see it open, you know, opening weekend if you can. That will you know help help the movie out. Um, I saw it. I enjoyed. There were things to enjoy about, but there are other things about it that uh, uh, I felt um, felt felt were, felt were wanting. Um, I just kind of felt like, okay, if this is the last movie with this group of people, then they should have had a better send off. And mm-hmm. I, 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 and, and this this didn't do it for them. Uh, so, you know, for an, for an opening weekend, it only did it only pulled in slightly under 20, uh, 20 mil. Right. Yeah. It didn't. It did not do like certainly in the days. Like I don't know what I don't know what it's like in two thousand two, but it doesn't seem very big then. That well, seems like pretty small. So I just just thinking back to my middle school years, I do remember that I think one of the reasons why I found it a little bit lacking was because 
Lord of the Rings Two Towers mm-hmm. came out that same year. So it was like a week or two after, it, right? Even well, yeah. So even so, I mean, if people are going to pick like a movie to go see in December, like Lord of the Rings would have been it. Absolutely, and, that's yeah, what I saw in, in theaters. Terms of sophistication <laughs> of just plot and everything else. Lord of the Rings beats it out. I know that it's fantasy versus science fiction, but a lot of us who love science fiction also love, you know, fantasy. So, like, if I were, if I had been making a choice, didn't the second I, Harry Potter movie come out about that time? Yes, too? we had Harry Potter coming out like in the end of November, so that was coming in right on the heels there, and they decide that that's a great time to drop a Star Trek movie. Yep, and they got killed. That. that yeah. yeah, that was probably a bad time to drop it. Like just in general. Like, I don't know why they did that, but Yeah. So Well <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't see this movie until after it was released. I was watching the Star Trek movies uh on a treadmill I used to have like six years ago and I was powering my way through it, and that's when I think I saw this movie. And I recall being entertained. Um I wouldn't have said it was my best Star Trek movie. Like I like like was like I think everyone here's mentioned. It's not a favorite. Um, I don't think it's the worst Star Trek movie, but there are certainly uh, some issues with this being a Star Trek movie, and it just doesn't feel like the nature versus nurture thing that you mentioned, Chrissy. I think we need to talk about that more, and that that element of it seems kind of Star Trek, but there were a lot of things in the movie that didn't feel Star Trek. And um, it's clear that the person that wrote the movie uh, paid only a cursory, paid only cursory attention to Star Trek, and uh, continuity uh, wasn't quite as important to him. So, but well, well, we could talk about the, uh, who, you know, who did what. Um, John, you know, John Logan was the gladiator. Movie. You know he. Yeah, he had he had Gladiator, he had the Aviator, so he has a you know pedigree and he uh, of some great written work. He's also, I mean, he's also done screenplays for a lot of very popular movies. Um, he had it in the contract that okay, he'll 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 put out a, he'll put out the screenplay, but it can't be um, altered, amended. Who would agree to that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just don't agree to that. Well, well, that should be a red flag. I know exactly. And, and, and yeah, and and the fact that like Gladiator, The Aviator, those are more historical fictions. Those aren't science fiction. Uh, right. Exactly. I mean, Rick Rick Berman should have never agreed to that. Absolutely uh, not. And, and the director they had, uh, Stuart Baird, who was more, he had a reputation as a great film editor. He had he has two Oscar nominations, one for the 1978 Superman movie and gorillas in the mist, uh, the 1988 movie. So this was like his maybe third movie he actually directed, but you know, there was talk of maybe Jonathan Frakes directing this movie. And I wish they would have went that, that way, but they wanted, they wanted to give it to somebody with outside, maybe with f- fresh eyes, which that, I mean, that, that works sometimes. And it worked with Star Trek to the wrath of Khan with, uh, with Nicholas Meyer but Nicholas Meyer, he, he actually went back and watched all the episodes of right. the original series, so he understood what he was working with. Baird, f- at least from everything I've I've uh, researched, 
he didn't really care. I mean, it, it, he uh, didn't see any previous episodes of the TV show. Um, some of the cast members like uh, LeVar Burton and Maria Sirtis didn't really care for him as a director, didn't feel like he respected the material. Um, I mean, she, she says, uh, well, and this may, may, be a, may be a trope, uh, my character wouldn't do that, but she would know her character. She did seven right. years of TNG. She did three other movies before that, but she's a good team player, so she went with it. Um, well, you know, I, th- I think um, we're going to nitpick the movie here in just, in just a bit. It's like some of the things we felt maybe didn't go right in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd like to start off maybe a little bit more of a positive note. Like, what were some of the things that we really enjoyed um, as we watched this movie again that we felt that that – either maybe scenes or moments have really resonated and say, this was pretty awesome. And uh, so maybe start maybe a little bit more of a positive before mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, tear apart some of the things that we weren't really keen on. Is that all right with everyone? Let's let's let, let we'll try to start on a high note. Yeah, start on a high note here. That's good. I, it's fair. Yeah, I, I think so, because I think there's certainly issues with the movie and, and all of us said, well, it wasn't our favorite Star Trek movie. And there's reasons for that. Uh, but let's oh, yeah. start off with some of the let's start off with some of the things that we really liked. And M, can I put you in the spot? Do you want to share uh, a moment or a scene or whatever that that you really liked in this movie? Um, I can't. You can't. That's um, right. <laughs> so I both despised and loved the evolution of Data and his humanity of being selfless and. It was a very human choice to put him. It wasn't. I don't think he made the choice logically. I think, or because of some algorithm. I truly believe that in his feelings, he knew this was the best way for his for his friends, not for his coworkers, but his, the people he cared about in life to to escape. So that self sacrifice, like it's not because of Asimov's rules of robotics. It's because he was truly loved, loved his, loved his people, his tribe, and that was a that was a very sweet moment. Um, but it, and I want to be fair. I know that there's, I know that there's more, um, but. Well, that's all right. Maybe other people. I, I struggle. Stuff. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I struggle yeah. to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of my favorite moments when I think of this movie is I love when when they have the Enterprise charge the ship and like ram it. Uh, mm. Just that scene and the dedication and and just the way they filmed that slowly ripping into the Romulan ship uh, was beautifully done. Um, and uh, it's something that you really didn't see, or I didn't. I don't remember seeing a lot of in Star Trek. Not that they never rammed another ship, but this was. The way they filmed it just felt very theatrical, and I liked that. I liked that. I liked that moment. I liked Picard at the helm and and saying, "Let's go, let's do this," and the commitment to stop this ship at all costs from getting to Earth. Mm. There's a scene that I like where they're in the conference room just before they know they're going to be facing the uh, scimitar, and he says, basically saying, looking at uh, looking at his senior officers and saying, um, "We have to stop. We have to stop them. All other." All other considerations have to be secondary. I think you know what I mean. I mean, just there was this sense, the sense of commitment to the cause, right? and just that we may have to, you know, give up everything 
uh, to stop him, to stop uh, Shinsan. And just, um, I, I, you know, you, you just felt like, okay, you know, we, if we have to sacrifice ourselves to stop him, then that, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, Dave, how about for you? Uh, a favorite moment or, or scene or dialogue, whatever. The the one-liners, the little jabs, the uh, you know you have the bridge, Mister Troy. The uh, this appears to be a robotic arm, very astute, Commander. <laughs> they, you know, they never cease to amuse me. All the little jabs and the best the best part of com- the comic part was is been in a deleted scene at the end with the. Uh, the new guy coming in to take Riker's spot as first officer, and Riker tells him, "It's all right. Call him John Luke," <laughs> and he does. <laughs> and Picard's just standing there staring at him, like, "You kidding me?" <laughs> Captain Riker was pulling my leg, wasn't he? Before <laughs> just laughing his head off out the other side. But it's always the little comedy moments that that just keep that lighthearted feel to it that I always enjoy. Mm. I, I liked uh, when, when Shinzon has captured Picard and Picard says, you know, why have you brought me here? And, you know, Shinzon says, it's very deadpan. I was lonely. You know, just, it just, <laughs> I was I'm, lonely. the way, the way he delivered it, it, it was, it was funny. It was just, it, it was a very serious, dark scene. And just the way he, he, he dropped that line was, uh, I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, that was the beginning of us seeing Tom Hardy be like pretty delicious in movies. Yeah, I mean, and and his and to be and, you know, it's one of the things like his his acting in this movie was good. Like he portrayed that character well, and that the the issue the issues that I would have with the movie is not Tom Hardy. It's it's, it's there are others, but he 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 does a great job of portraying this villain. He does a good job. I, Sorry, good. I was gonna say, really, I actually really liked Sinjan, and I really liked the the play back and forth between Picard and him, and kind of the mental chess game that they were engaged with with one another. It was, you know, I I basically know how your mind works, and you know how mine works, but because our experiences have shaped us slightly differently, you know, it's kind of almost a guessing game. And so that I really, really like the the interplay and that some people might not like it because it was more of a villain focused movie. But I I kind of really liked that exploration of, you know, a darker side of, of a hero and what kind of makes someone really heroic, you know, because people are like, oh, well, if you had stuck because John's like, well, if you had lived my life, you would be like me and now so Picard's kind of coming face to face with the mirror which is you know the capability of human degeneracy and evil and I really like looking at that um you know as I said earlier you know I, I studied I've brought this before you know I studied German and you can't study the German language without looking at Nazi Germany and one of the things that you really have to confront when you look beyond just the, oh, Nazis are bad or whatever, you look and go, oh, they were people. And if they are capable of that great evil, do I have that potential myself? And you have to really kind of struggle and confront yourself with that when you actually 
are being truly psychologically honest. And so for me, that was like my, the movie was kind of pushing that psychological honesty. I just, that's one of the reasons why I think it didn't go far enough because in a recent villain centric film of um, Black Panther, you know, they're confronted and, you know, Killmonger is kind of in some ways, some of his stuff is vindicated a little bit at the end there. And so I kind of, I don't know, maybe if the film had been made today, there may have been a little bit more pushing of that. Mm. So that, those are, that's one of the things I really liked about the movie. And at the same time, I was like, ah, you could have taken it just a little further. You know, when you're saying that, that you're talking about them being inside each other's heads, but not really, reminds me just a little bit of Khan. Now, this movie is no way the Wrath of Khan. But the way that Khan and Kirk seem to understand each other is a, is it almost parallels the way um, these two characters seem to understand or get each other, at least at some level, but not wholly. Um, so there seems to be a little bit of that parallel. And even the battle when the ship's being hidden is almost like the Nebula fight, uh, maybe paralleling it again. Thing to do it much better in Khan, but um, but it's still I think it, it echoes of that for me. But well, they wanted to kind of use what worked with with Wrath of Khan is have a charismatic, dynamic villain for the car and the crew, of the Enterprise you go up against. Um, I mean they they were they were trying to do that. Yeah. Well, they attempted it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and he was a compelling villain, at least for me. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Um, well, yeah. then, like, ten years later, he plays Bane. A true. Another delicious, like, you kind of want to take care of him, but, like, you're you, you're a little bit on his side. Right. Um, and But you're also not on his side because he's a murderous, like, yeah. nut job. Yeah, exactly. And then... We fast forward another eight years and we get Venom, Eddie Brock. Another, you know, is he is he a villain? Is he a good guy who just had like things happen that shouldn't have? It's he he's and it's not typecasting either. I feel like it's just it's just right. It's just feels really, really good. Right. Right. Well, Chris, you were also mentioning the whole uh, nature versus nurture aspect of this film uh, before we maybe uh, delve into some of the parts that maybe weren't as strong for us. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, if people aren't familiar with the idea of what that means or more like what I saw in the movie. Yeah, but well, either. But I think uh, maybe just a brief synopsis of what it is and then and how you saw it play out in the movie. Okay, so nature versus nurture basically says your behavior is based either entirely on nature, which is it's predetermined by your genetics. There's nothing you can do. Just if you took two genetic, two identical twins, separated them, stuck them in two completely different households, it wouldn't matter. They turn out exactly the same. That's your nature. Nurture says, nope, it really matters you know, the kind of environment that you're in, the social environment, the physical environment, 
And I clearly fall on the side of nurture. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a family-based therapist. I would just say, well, sorry, your kid got bad genetics. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. (laughs) Nothing we can do. Sorry, bad batch. Try again. (laughs) I don't know. Send send him back. (laughs) Um, But nurture, nurture is much more the idea that, you know, with the right external inputs, you can shape a person to kind of be whoever you want them to be. And then, you know, a lot of people kind of come down to, well, it's an interplay, which would be known as epigenetics, which is the, it's an interplay between the environment and the genetics to create the person. I kind of fall into a third camp, which is personal choice, because I'm like, yes, because if you take away personal choice, then you're basically saying that all we are are inputs that people put into us. Our genes do things with it, and then we just output it with no with no input from ourselves. Which is either way, the nature and nurture get to be very deterministic and kind of don't respect a person's um, what in social work world it would be more right to self determination. Like right at that point, it's like well, then they don't self-determined at all yeah so how do you so, see this play out in the movie well you had picard and sinzan who have the same genetic makeup and you stuck picard in his loving supportive family he went to the academy he's been able to have all these successes and you know he's been shaped to be this very ethical moral you know, upright man that the entire fandom pretty much loves and admires. And then you have that same genetic makeup being put into a cold, abusive, manipulative hellhole, for lack of a better word, um, and has been socialized to be kind of this villain. So if you look at it, it's almost like Picard without his moral compass, or at least if he has one, it's very warped. And I think that's kind of where we, we see is that he, you know, like Picard, he has similar personality traits of, you know, both of them are very loyal, dedicated. If they are going to a cause, they will go all in at the sacrifice even of themselves. So the real question is, does that mean it's a villain's fault? Yes, because of personal choice. Because of personal choice. It's interesting. Yes. Go ahead. The movie – well, one thing the movie does do well um, is references Picard's – what he was like when he was a young man. When when he and Beverly Crusher are looking at a a photograph of him, uh, which shows without hair, which has all all Star Trek fans uh, (laughs) wonder what's going on there. But regardless, uh, you know, she says – he turned out all right, and he goes. He was a damned fool. So you know, talking about himself when he was when he was right. a young kid. I mean, mm. and you know his. But who who of us doesn't look back at our lives and say, "Man, we were idiotic for say thinking that or believing that or whatever or acting that way." I was a genius even then. I don't talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of us don't get in bar fights. And um, what are you saying about Chrissy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and I don't get into bar fights. What are you talking about? <laughs> I haven't been in a bar fight since at least two weeks. 
Right. <laughs> Come on, Scott. <laughs> Cut her some slack. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, Picard got into a bar fight, you know, shortly after he graduated and got, you know, an Oscan stick a knife through his chest. Um, I think that was one of the things that sort of him surviving. That's one of the things that's kind of settled him down. Um, Shinzon never had any kind of experience really to settle him down. He, he needs more. to get into some more bar fights. That's just it. Um, I think that was the problem. He got into too many of them. <laughs> and yeah. I lost. guess I could go lost. into the whole like, how trauma and abuse like shapes the human brain and yeah. alter it and everything else. Um, but yeah, and I do think that it was really like there were some lines of, you know, if, if you had had my experience, you would think the way that I would. Like you'd understand right. why I have that point of view, and Picard kind of says the same thing to him, and the fact that like I'm your mirror, you need to look at it. Well, I'm your mirror too, and you know, Picard asking the question of like, well, you know, basically I have this potential in me to be like this, and you know, what like what makes me that different? Because you know, here I am thinking of myself as a very noble, moral individual faced with this reality of I have the capacity within me to not be that way and am I that way because of me or am I that way because of the environment that has shaped me Yeah, yeah. which is why I go back to personal choice personal choice personal choice it is well, let's move on and talk a little bit about some of the uh, aspects of the movie that we felt maybe weren't quite as strong um, as they could have been um, and Miles, I know that you're chomping at the bit. Can I limit you to like one, and then we can kind of roundtable sure. it a little bit? Because sure. uh, if we don't, you know that M's going to reach through the microphone and just slap you, right? Yes. I am not. Right. Oh, we, we had a discussion. Yes. It's, okay. Chrissy's going to drive here. and just, Chrissy will, though. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy, I would like your psychological read on, on Scott and his assumptions about <laughs> my my tendencies towards physical harm. <laughs> uh, uh, are we going to get into to your nature? And, and nurture and discuss that. <laughs> I'm wondering, like that's a whole other show. That is another show. That's another show. Uh, go ahead, Miles. Tell us. Uh, <laughs> I know that you, I know that you used some before we rabbit trail too far off of this. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the uh, at least one thing that kind of bothered you about this Star Trek movie. Okay, so the he's like, which one do I pick? I know I have some, <laughs> I have some really great ones here that I could, uh, but. I'll, I'll, I'll pick this one for now. Maybe get one other one later. But the whole finding another android on this pre-warp planet. Uh, now the idea of finding it doesn't bother me so much as the actions taken, because it it, it doesn't respect how the the T, you know the Enterprise crew TNG was before the Prime what, Directive. Whether you, let's whether respect you, it. Whether you like the Prime Directive or hate it, it was they preached it as gospel throughout the series, and so. What they did, it was like, oh, there's an, there, there's a android parts on this planet. It's pre warp. Ah, who cares? But let's let's go get it and um, bring it back up here. Um, the idea that they would just go down this planet and have have this this this, this um, firefight with the with the with the natives, um, and then fly their shuttle to go and pick them up like that. It wouldn't have happened in TNG. They would have been like, "Okay, how do we how do we get the, these android parts without alerting the natives our, our presence? We don't want to be doing any kind of well, cultural contamination. Uh, 
You know, they they would have been very careful. This is like, eh, who cares? We got into a we got into a firefight with the natives, and uh, but them driving off that cliff and into the shuttle was epic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I will grant you, it's visually entertaining. But, Just not Star Trek. But it's not Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That, that's more Firefly kind of style. Like, let's face oh, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely Firefly. And that was a thrilling heroic. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was shiny. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Picard is not Captain Malick. No, no, no. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, this was the wrong group of people for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Doesn't see any brown coats. So maybe the uh maybe the aliens wearing brown coats. That's about it. But uh so uh, uh who else wants to go? Uh, what are some things that you uh, you either maybe weren't crazy about or didn't like quite as much in this movie? Or maybe defend this choice. I'd be curious if any of you would defend this scene. No. No, no especially because in the previous Scott, yeah, especially because in the my... previous movie. Yeah. They uh they have personal cloaking suits that they could just vanish and disappear. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, you can't that's, see this, but Chrissy's here, like accenting it with her hands. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forgot about that, Dave. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, they tried to hide, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, guess that, that you're on the same wavelength as me. You got mm-hmm. it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, one of the other problems I had was with Shinzon's identity to begin with. They were so shocked to see that he was human. But then they sat back at the ship and went through the intelligence they had on him. They knew he was a a crazy commander during the Dominion War. Mm-hmm. But you were all fighting on the same side. How did none of you realize that he was a human? Yeah. I mean, you had a Section 31 operative trying to kill the head of the Tal Shiar and almost get away with it. How did we not even know that Shinzon was a human? I mean, maybe not Picard's clone, but I, there was little, little things like that that just make no sense to me. Mm. But that to make everybody a little dumber in this movie. That maybe I, apparently clever makeup artistry. On his yep. part, That's during right. the war, every disguise, day, just disguise. to disguise himself. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And what the heck deserved Janeway a promotion to admiral before Picard? Ooh, um, you got your ship lost. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, oh, you got your ship lost. You refused to come back the easy way. You lost so many crewmen in the process. I'm sorry. Oh, come back. <laughs> <laughs> She refused to come back the easy way. Had she come back the easy way, she would have gone against everything that's important to Star Trek and Starfleet and everything <laughs> they believe in. Of course, she wasn't going to go back the easy way. She's not like she's not like a, a friggin' Romulan. She she upholds, dude. That's she's it. a captain, and her first responsibility is to her ship and her crew. <laughs> and the prime directive and and oh they, all please the- they throw that out the window every time it's convenient for a plot line watch an entire <laughs> planet just be destroyed and to watch an, like one group one one species just devour another i mean there are times where you can't jump in but they're they, they were stuck in the middle of it and they could prevent it then 
dude. Ah, I'm ah. sorry. <laughs> and here's the thing. Nah. Uh, <laughs> Picard, Picard was not going to take an ad, at least at least during this time, not take a promotion to Admiral. He just had an experience with Captain Kirk a few years ago and said, you know, the best places to be in is in that, in that captain's chair. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, I forgive a woman for succeeding. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no. That's my card. I was just going to say it wouldn't have been convenient for the plot for her to do that because then what would be the point of the series? I mean. Mm-hmm. And she did. Well, I've been asking that since, what, 90. Whenever that came out. That's it. <laughs> well, she, she also. We're done, kiddo. <laughs> oh, wait done. till the next movie. Uh, he's so excited to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> Eleven. Well, Jamie gets oh points God. also for, you know, you know, kicking the, the board below the belt and, and bring some future mm-hmm. technology. So I, I, that doesn't bother me that, that she got a promotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about you? I, is there anything in particular that was bothering you about this film as you casually watched it? So it just. In overall, it could, it just could have been so much better. It just felt, it felt lazy. It felt like, I think even Patrick Stewart said that it was, it suffered from franchise fatigue it was, it was felt forced. Like we didn't need, we can always, it's always nice to have Star Trek. It's always nice to have that universe to escape into and to aspire to, but, and to watch it, it was a different kind of conflict and a a different way to handle a villain, but I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm nonplussed. I'm, I'm neither overwhelmed nor underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed with it. I think the I think the problem that in general that I had as because Miles came over and we watched it and I I found myself while I liked the villain he seems to enter almost too late into the film mm-hmm. and then when we get him and there was so much dialogue going back and forth between him and Picard that by the time he really seems to be a serious threat. We're three, we're three fourths of the way through the movie, mm-hmm. and and then it just doesn't deliver. And I get, I, I mean, and so I'm not as big of a Star Trek nerd. I know as at least as um, Dave and Miles are, and I don't know if any else you would classify into that. But so there's some stuff that doesn't bother me, like the fact that he was raised in that slave. He, he was raised among the slave race of the Romulans and somehow has his great technical Starfleet knowledge and how to fly a starship and command, you know, okay, I get that. I, I see, I see why that's an issue, uh, but didn't necessarily bother me when, when I was watching the film, I was able to suspend that disbelief, but I was more just well, bothered that a little bit later on. Well, I mean, it looks like by the time he got, put in there he he was how old so he could have been they were training him up until that point like we don't know mm. like how much training he had gotten up to that point like he may have had a lot of training you mean up till before. he was uh, up till he was a kid and then thrown in he was like 10 yeah, or 12 cause, yeah because he looked like he was like a preteen at, at the time so you know he it could be conceivable that if that's all they were teaching him 
from his birth upward that maybe there maybe. was at least some knowledge there. Maybe. That's fair. Yeah. Well, he would have like, got uh, he would have got some training, hands-on training fighting the Dominion. They said that the uh the Remans were used as soldiers and cannon fodder uh during the Dominion War. So he would have gotten some training and he's a Picard, so he he's a genius and so he he probably would have learned fast. <laughs> maybe. I like that. I like that a lot, Miles. He's a Picard, <laughs> yeah, he's a Picard so yeah. he's a genius. That's yeah, awesome. Yes, yes, I love that. Yeah, that was that was good. <laughs> so, uh, anyone else could chime here? Like, what other were there any? What other parts kind of bothered bothered you, if any, uh, about the way this movie delivered? What was the point of Troy's rape, mental rape? Yeah, I didn't like aside that. From the, aside from just using that telepathic connection to find Shinzon's ship, which they could have come up with a hundred different MacGuffins to use as they have throughout the years. Yeah. For, was that really necessary? I yep. Or did it serve it some was. other purpose? Well, you know, if, if I, anything, it, showed, it really showed a violation. It was a, it, it, the violation of the mind that, that but, was. But what was happened. it necessary to the plot? Yeah. And Picard, yeah, I... Picard, uh, you know, when she says, uh, "You know, I'm a liability. I need to be relieved of duty." He says, "No, I, I, you know, I, I need you. To, I need you to stay on and 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 with you know, basically endure this assault again, so we could get a tactical advantage." Because this poor woman has just been through, basically, been raped, and you basically, yeah, you're gonna, ha- you might have to do it again. And in the film, it's deleted scene, but. Uh, th- this happens again, and so this is just well, t- TNG always many times treated Deanna Troy horribly with this. This is not the first time she had, she had been mind raped before, but just th- in this film, it was just taken to a new level. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you you go back to Star Trek Six, and the Doctor and the Vulcan came up with a heat-seeking torpedo that was chasing after a ship that was shooting at them while they're cloaked. You got nothing like that now? We have to use someone who's just been through a trauma to magically find it? I don't know. Yeah, I I gotta say that I kind of come down on, like, if you're gonna show that kind of... If you're gonna show a rape, it better be damn important. Mm-hmm. to to a plot it better be absolutely necessary and pivotal and that better be the only way that this like it has to be super necessary otherwise i i really don't see the point in putting sexual violence into a film mm-hmm. like yeah. in general you know and the the only the only way that and this is not in any way justifying it but it does show how terrible the villain is um and to what lengths he will go and uh and and how how this violation is a symbol of the way he's looking to violate Starfleet but i think they could have shown that in other ways well i mean he could have like gotten under her head and like i don't know like stroked her hair or like kissed her it didn't have like it, it didn't have to go the whole way like right. we could have just like it, it could have stopped there of like the threat Right. 
Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if, if you no, were in, you. if you were insisted, if you were going to insist that something ha- like you wanted to show the kind of lengths that he was going to go, then can you hint at it and not do like let's do more like the old school Star Trek where we take the boots on and put the boots off and we don't, you know, hint at it. Don't mm-hmm. show it. Yeah, this was. I mean, yeah. it, it it felt it felt like a physical rape as well as a mental rape. It was just just how horrific it looked. Right. Well, and it was while her and her husband were having sex. So, like, that's going to be a problem later for them and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Right. So, and, and maybe they're not. Maybe happened. not if they're in the room next door to M. But uh, I guess not. But um. And for Captain Picard to be so callous about it, yeah, that seems it seemed out of un- seems out of character. Out of character, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was like it it was very out of character for so there, and that and that is kind of one of the complaints I I have had was with this movie is some of the things that were done and said with the characters were out of character, and you're like, what? Where is this coming from? And it goes to the absolute source of the whole thing, the script, where the person didn't necessarily respect the universe as much as they should have. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. No, yeah, absolutely. Great, great point. Great point. Yeah, I mean, the, the payoff was, I mean, if it was, I mean, yeah, she did get inside the, the Viceroy's head, um, but they could have found some other way to... Uh, they could have found another way to get a tactical advantage that to, you know, to use to use that to be the payoff for it. it just seemed right. a little shallow. Right. Um, all right. Very, is it? Go ahead. Is it indicative? Like when you think back to that time, just how commonplace, like, like how unaware we were. How like, and I hate to use this word, how unaware, how unwoke. Like I, I don't remember having this conversation. The conversation about what happened to Deanna. Right. Um, about, until like recently, until now, because it's the first time we've talked about the movie in a very long time. But you mean like the context of where we're at in society makes this yes seem like, seem way more horrible than maybe? I mean, it was still horrible back then, but maybe we. Just, I mean, it was horrible, but nobody talked about it because right. it's just you know it's don't talk about it. Right. But right. like it, it it infuriates me more now than it did then. Well, we might have if if we were going to make this movie today. Either either we would have felt okay, we don't need to do this, or if we're going to do this, have a little more sensitivity towards it and and, and treat it treat it with the the horrific thing that it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so I I don't I mean yeah that they, they they're upset for her, but it it's not treated with the gravity that that, that it really should have been. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Definitely a good point. Good point. Uh, Miles, I know you had a, a list very long. What, were there other things in your list that also kind of bothered you? Um, yes. Uh, Picard being okay with assembling B4 as soon as they bring him back to the ship. I mean, have we forgotten so quickly what when we what happened when we assembled a another song type android and uh <laughs> this this, this did, i mean do i mean 
lore? I mean, do you remember what, what, what he did? I mean, he brought the Nobody crystalline entity. Lore. You know, it's yeah. just like, okay, this, this android is a simpleton. He should be fine. Right. No, I mean, it's like um, – Well, not only that, let's put all of Data's memories into him too that, because, I mean, that makes sense. Exactly. I mean – Right. Uh, why would – I mean, I mean, Data seems very nonchalant about doing this and, you know, Jordy yeah. Shue said, um, let's, let's talk to the captain first. Before we let's hold off. You know what, what? 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 The only payoff to that is that they're able to pull a switcheroo when they bring him back onto the villain ship, right? When uh, Data or before it's actually you know Data is impersonating him when they take Picard back to the ship. So that's the only payoff to like giving him. It Data's seems name. like lazy st- st- uh, storytelling. No, I why agree. Mm. I just just because. Plus, you can't bring data back for a future movie if you do it if you don't have these memories put in. I mean that 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 was kind of like the out was is is you know like Spock putting his cotcher into Doctor McCoy and finding a way to regenerate his body and later on. But um, just that that whole I them just yeah let's put it back together let's see what happens. Just everybody is just dumber in this movie. Well, <laughs> Star Trek: The Dumb Generation. <laughs> they- they may have had a couple concussions in the interim, like you know, brain damage does things. Well, you know the way the way Picard was driving that all-terrain vehicle. No wonder, right? That that may, maybe we should have saw that as a sign of what his other decisions would be like. Yeah, that's right. It was all right. the Romulan ale at the wedding. Oh, True. that explains the whole movie. Yeah, uh, Romulan ale should be. They were, they were they were they were filming it on Romulan ale the whole movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another the, thing, the crew was like, uh, Romulan ale. Yeah, yeah. Dave showing you can't see it on the mm-hmm. video, but Dave's holding up Romulan ale. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. Nice. Yeah. Um, the idea that the, the I mean, the, 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 the scimitar. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Big, ugly starship of death. I mean, with every, but somehow the Remans and maybe some Romulan military were able to. Keep this quiet while you know everything's going on. They they could build this this tremendous starship and have the, this 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 weapon of mass destruction, this this Thaleron radiation generator. Uh, just they were able to keep that quiet this whole time. They're asking. I, I just I, I I just couldn't had a hard time going with that. Well, the Romulans are good at building ships in secret. I mean, look at what happens in Star Trek Eleven. But the, mm. but 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 they keep it secret from the other Romulans. I mean, right? It, the idea that. It just the, the the premise that some Romulan military leaders and their Reman counterparts, you know, they're trying to argue with from the Romulan Senate that you know let's you know we need to join with with, with Shinzon and the Remans and the, the the Praetor and the Senators are all old school. Wait a minute, these are our people that mine our dilithium for us. Put them back in the mines for crying out loud. Um, I, just. All that just seemed to be very implausible. Know what we know about the Romulans? The Romulans are mm-hmm. paranoid to a fault. I think they would have had safeguards. I mean, they would have kept their their this this arm when they're when they're done with this army. They would have put them back in the in the. Maybe uh, they had too much Romulan ale. That could have been. Yeah. That there was too much Romulan ale. That, that the explains whole federation, you know, galaxy, everything. If we can, if we can no say. 
if we can say that the film was done with everyone in Romulan Ale, I'm actually okay with this movie because it makes sense. So the next so, film will be Star Trek, the 12 steps. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Star Trek anonymous. Right. Hi, my name is Dana and I've been um, sober for. The, the enterprise ramming into the scimitar was very impressive. We never saw that on screen before like that. I mean, we may have seen ships run into each other, but then they just explode. But mm. the fact that the enterprise rams right into it. Why not then use the self-destruct? Why because wait? it wasn't operational. Well, well, maybe it was operational before the the scimitar was um, um, before the scimitar was able to pull itself out. Um, but as soon as the, the scimitar pulls itself out, Picard says, "Activate self-destruct. Uh, self-destruct is offline." Uh, I mean, you don't you in a battle situation, you never want your self-destruct to be offline if you have to use it like right. that. Right. Uh, probably my biggest complaint with this is the movie is about moving on and moving forward. We we did we do see Riker and Troy doing so. Riker's going to get his own command. Troy's going to join him. Uh, Data's going to get a promotion to being a first officer. But for everybody else, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, stuff uh, seems to revert, like with Wesley and Worf. Worf. Why is Worf? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Worf, but last time we saw Worf, he was a he was going to become an ambassador uh, for Kronos. It didn't work out. Uh, I, I, it must not have. They parted ways. Too much, too much R- Romulan ale. Yeah, it, I, Romulan ale was his problem. It is, but he got his old job back. You know? right, right, right. Well, everyone else is drinking. Miles will just join us. <laughs> We did. We did see Worf uh, probably imbibe too much at the wedding. So that's true. He probably needs a twelve-step plan. <laughs> he does. What What is on your mind, Dan? Wow. No, just all the blood wine, the barrels and barrels of blood wine this guy drank throughout the Dominion War, and a couple of glasses of Romulan ale at a wedding reception. It's causing him to, oh, well, down there in his hands. Come on. Well, yeah, but you me? know how strong Romulan ale is, man. There's a reason why it's illegal. It is illegal. Blood wine is not. Blood, yeah, not. <laughs> not to mention. He, still, he, we don't, we he don't know how quality. much he, Well, wait a minute. We don't know how much he pregamed. Right. True. 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 <laughs> he could have been pregaming. Right. And, and he like, might have been holding his wedding. head. He was holding, he was holding his head really because data was seen. That was the real issue. He hates data singing. <laughs> data singing. And this then combined with the rhyme of the nail, it's he, a was done. For a he was done. Yeah. Well, th- then he must have had a butt ton of it because nobody else was looking like they were going to puke at that reception well, from alcohol intake. Well, you know, people maybe, respond to alcohol differently. Yeah, maybe, but he's a clinger. <laughs> maybe he was on a clear, on like a, on a, like a dry month. Like most it's people take February. He's a cleanse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know, like when you live on, you sustain on prune juice for long enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on bloodworm cleanse. (laughs) You don't know. You don't know what it's like to walk in his giant shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Cutting on my man, Wharf. Oh, he's a lightweight. He is. Oh my stars. (laughs) <laughs> we, 
I, 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 I have a longer list, but I think I, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be too much of a downer. No, that's fine. Um, but give us one more. Give us one oh, more. Okay. Then, we'll, then, we'll, then we'll then we'll work toward wrapping up here. Okay. The the emergency transporter unit. You have this thing about the size of a Tootsie Roll that can can transport somebody from. You know where, where Picard was on the scimitar back to the Enterprise. Um, I, I just did, I, I thought that was just that that was just a huge cheat. I, I didn't buy that at all. Well, at least it was just to the Enterprise and not a device to transport you from Earth to Kronos. Well, that was before transport oh. beaming was invented. Oh, oh. <laughs> at least it, at least it didn't do it during warp. I exactly. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's yeah, it. Didn't bother me. I was like, oh yeah, technobabble. Let's do it. You know. I mean, that's the charm of Star Trek. It is. It is. It's just the utter bull crap. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, that it, you can you can do with just you know. Well, you have to make sure that the flange is is in the right. Uh, dilithium orientation in the flux capacitor and then you have to get it to a 35 ohms um, registration or you're never going to get it. I right, mean, right. It's simple plus it, hel- it Plus it helps when you're on Robin and Ale. It just works. Oh, boy. It just <laughs> works. Uh. And if you add a little bit of Romulan Ale to the engine, it runs perfectly wow. smooth. You could hit warp no, 11. The molecular warp structure 11. of and Ale doesn't meet the same quantum physics of the dilithium crystal. <laughs> it's precisely why you need so much dilithium, or like every Romulan in the world will be all over the place. That's right. <laughs> it's like Romulan birth control. <laughs> Wow. I don't even I'm done. Where do you go from there? Heard they were getting that out at four points. Anyway. So the weather's been weird, right? So on a positive note, we okay. did have some notable guest stars. Notable guest stars. Oh, we'll get a positive. Nice. Yes. Uh, I mean we already talked about Tom Hardy, he's great. And he managed to still have a great career after this. Ron movie. Perlman. Ron Perlman played Hellboy the best himself. For, yeah. He I Ron thought Ron Perlman. Yeah. Uh, too bad we didn't see more of him. Uh, we, Dina Meyer played the, the the female Romulan commander. Her part was small, but I thought she was very good in this. And she had a, she had a, she had some good dialogue with that Romulan commander, just saying, I'm roughly paraphrasing about, you know, Shinjan just doesn't want to just defeat Earth. He wants to annihilate it. Do we really want that much blood staining our hands and our in our for you know our for our you know our predecessors' hands? Right. Um, too bad we only saw a bit part of her, but uh, and Kate Mulgrew made a um, a cameo as Cap, uh, as uh, Admiral Janeway. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I think we did a nice job analyzing the movie, and we looked at some different facets of it, and had some fun doing it. Um, so, t- I guess in about a month from now, we'll be uh, reviewing Star Trek Eleven. So, we'd love to hear your thoughts on. Star Trek 10 Nemesis, if you haven't shared them before. And you can do that on Facebook or you can email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter. But we will be reviewing Star Trek 11, um, which is, of course, in the Kelvin timeline. 
And what was the official <laughs> name of that movie again? It was Star Trek. It was just they just called it Star Trek. So it's, it's sometimes oh, just referred Trek, to as me. Star Trek 09 just to distinguish it from the other movies. No, oh, yes. Yeah. So Star Trek 09, and uh, we'll be talking about that. And uh, in the next episode, we'll probably be uh, sharing one of our interviews from Farpoint, or we'll be sharing a Farpoint episode somewhere along the line. So we'll be hearing some of that stuff coming down the line. And uh, so. In our next episode, I will be, when you guys are recording, I will be floating in a giant nerd boat, enjoying the Jonathan Colton cruise. With Romulan um, Ale. With Romulan Ale. That's right. Um, with a bunch of wonderful nerdy people, but so have fun, and I'll miss you guys uh, a little you bit. You won't be here for the we'll next movie? I'll be here for the next movie, but next okay, in two good. weeks when we record, I will be okay, floating in the Atlantic. Sure. I will be floating. That's all I'm going to say. I hope you have a fantastic Good. time. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. Where a lot of like Star Trek, like uh, many conversations will be had. Funny enough, um, I, I do want to bring something up from um, from Farpoint. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we were looking at the, I was sitting with Jay and I was, we were looking at the advert for, um, for Shore Leave. And a very nice young man whose name escapes me. And he always says hello and go, listens, like comes to the live shows. And um, he said he was really excited. He's like, oh, Derek Durant, it's time, it's time Smallville got some love. And and I like, I have to apologize to him because I immediately, like what I just did to Dave, excuse me? Um, <laughs> he, he said it's time he got some love. And I said, that's true, but it just, it's not as relevant anymore. It's been, it hasn't been on TV so it's it's hard for you know not you don't see them very often because I don't really feel like it's it's as relevant as relevant as it used to be, and then he's like, well, look at Star Trek, it's like fifty years old, that's still relevant, and I, excuse me, <laughs> you're gonna compare Smallville to Star Trek, uh, a franchise that has made like socioeconomic waves in our society to Smallville, which is, yes, it is Superman. And yes, it's part of that world and it's exciting, but I do, I am going to, I'm here to issue a formal apology because I got, <laughs> I got kind of indignant. I get very protective of Star Trek and what it's done, right. like what you see and what it does for creativity. And, you know, where, where would we be? I am sitting here st staring at my iPhone and my two iPads which are clearly somebody saw Star Trek and was like, that would be really cool. Yep. Let's make and it here happen. we are. Yep. So dude, I'm really sorry. I, it was nothing against your love of Smallville and I get it. It was just real. I, I, I couldn't see them on the same platform is all. So yep. I wanted to issue that public <laughs> apology. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you. Em. Sure. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think that's about does it. And uh, we'll be catching you online in a few weeks when we do our next episode, Sansa M. And we'll be enjoying uh, the Joko cruise. And uh, we'll, having, we'll be having, we'll, she'll regale us with stories after it about how it was. So, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yeah. But all right. Well, I think that that's about it. Uh, Miles, you want to take us out? Sure. Okay. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Go boldly. Leave your tips on the table. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the conversation, the owners of this establishment would love to hear from you. Send your comments and feedback to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook page at 
facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. <laughs>